T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You can't do that every day. Uh, We're going to talk to a gentleman now, Dr. Jim Cottrell, former president of the American Society of Anesthesiologists, chairman emeritus and distinguished professor of the Department of Anesthesiology at uh, SUNY Downstate Health Sciences University and author of Anesthesiology Without Fear. And with that, we welcome in Dr. Jim Cottrell. How are you doing, doctor? Good morning. Thank you. I'm fine. If only you'd have been able to accomplish something in your career, huh? Yeah, it's it's hard to do, you know. Life is so short. Yeah, uh, that's that's quite a uh, quite a resume. Tell me about the book Anesthesia Without Fear and what led you to write it. Well, when I was a an practicing anesthesiologist, I would go down to the pre-op clinic every morning to discuss anesthesia with people who were going to have surgery, and mostly they would say, "Doc, just put me to sleep. I don't want to know anything." And that's perhaps the worst thing you could say to an anesthesiologist because there's so many kinds of anesthesia and so many complications that can occur that you should be prepared and know those the answers to those questions. Well, you know, for some people that maybe have an, an impending surgical procedure, I know I realized I had one of my knee replacements done on January 4th, I think it was, so that consumed my, my New Year's Eve, and I, I didn't even think about anything to ask the anesthesiologist. What are some of the, and, and like you said, I, I probably did say, um, just put me to sleep. I don't want to know anything. I don't want to feel anything. Uh, of course, I do because of my job. I always ask them to be very careful with the vocal cords when they put whatever that thing is in you. I guess they do that, don't they, doctor, to help you breathe? Well, I think with your procedure, a knee replacement, you should have asked more questions about what's available. Can I have my operation done without a general anesthesia, which would prevent any damage to your vocal cords or your breathing? You could have had an, a spinal or an epidural. And those prevent the major complications from occurring. You know what? As a matter of fact, with a different physician for the second one, I did have an epidural, and I think they just kind of put me under some kind of light anesthesia or something while you say that. Um, So generally speaking, people that have a surgical procedure um, scheduled, do you begin by asking, okay, what type of anesthesia? Are we going to do general anesthesia? What are my options, et cetera? Right. I think, first of all, you got to ask to speak with the anesthesiologist because frequently they don't volunteer to speak with you before surgery because they're so busy doing other things. Mm-hmm. You know, we work out of the OR, out of the operating room. We work in critical care units. We work in colonoscopy units. We work in a variety of different venues. So you want to ask to speak with the anesthesiologist if you can, and then you want to ask what kind of anesthesia is available for me and what are the complications that occur with each one and which is best suited to my medical conditions. 
You need also to go through a list of all of your medical conditions and all of the drugs that you take because those influence the anesthetics that you're giving and also can prevent complications if the, if the anesthesiologist knows about them. So should we educate ourselves on what the different types are? Should we, uh, I don't know if that's what your book does, should we ask the anesthesiologist? Because you said they're busy to go through all of them. How, what is the best way to approach that with an anesthesiologist if you do have an impending surgical procedure? Well, I wrote this book so that you would be armed when you go and you would be empowered to know some of the answers to the questions you're going to ask the anesthesiologist. But that doesn't mean he or she will be able to give you that kind of anesthesia. You know, we have a number of subspecialties in anesthesia. So if you have a child, you need to ask for a pediatric anesthesiologist. If you're having a labor and delivery, your wife is going to deliver a baby, you need to ask for an obstetrical anesthesiologist. And then, of course, we have orthopedic anesthesiologists, which you would have had during your procedures. I didn't realize that. There are different anesthesi—wait, I get this right—anesthesiologists that go along with each medical specialty. Yes, there are subspecialties in anesthesia, quite a number of them. Wow. So depending on the procedure you're having, that's the kind of specialist you'd like to ask for. Now, not every hospital has that kind of specialist, but you need to ask for someone who has experience in the procedure you're having done, and that will give you some relief, some safety safety requirements that he would know that, or she would know the answers to those questions. With uh, respect to, say, orthopedics, because I think maybe our audience is primarily male and maybe beat themselves up because you know how guys are, Doc. Although that's not to say that women athletes don't do the same thing. Um, how, how, what are some of the different types that are available, or does it depend on the kind of procedure? Yes, it does. I think the orthopedic surgeons... Uh, it can do things with you awake, and you can have a, an epidural anesthetic. You can have a regional block. You can use ultrasound. The, the anesthesiologist can use ultrasound to identify the nerve in that area, like you had your shoulder surgery, you said. So we could have blocked your shoulder with the ultrasound and putting the needle close to the nerves and injecting some local anesthetic, and you could have had that awake. And that would have prevented any complications from the general anesthesia that otherwise you would have gotten. Can you explain how that, to a layman now, doctor, please, about how that ultrasound works? So they use ultrasound to identify the specific nerve or nerves and then deal with it that way? Well, sound waves are, are go through your skin to the different layers underneath the skin. And we can distinguish between nerves, veins, arteries, and muscle. So we can actually see the nerve outlined on the ultrasound, and then we can aim our needle directly at that nerve and inject around that nerve, giving it local anesthesia. Wow. Uh, I have so many questions, I don't even know where to begin. The book is Anesthesia Without Fear, The Informed Consumer's Guide to Safe Surgery and Chronic Pain Relief. Doctor, I would think, and it's available at Amazon, and you don't need me to push books for you, but I would think this would be a pretty valuable gift to give somebody um, you know, not not a big presentation or anything, but just something valuable for them to have if they have a surgical procedure coming up. 
Oh, I think it is. It's a matter, it can be a matter of life and death. So it's very important that you know something about this because our population is, is aging. And as we age, we need more and more surgical procedures. So we need to know more and more about what is offered for those different procedures. I will only take a quick break. We have a text line here, Doctor, where the listeners can text in their questions. It's the Oakland Art Jeweler Talk and Text Line, 504-260-1870. If you had a surgical procedure or you have one coming up and you have any questions about anesthesia without fear, which is the name of the book by our guest, Dr. Jim Cottrell, former president of the American Society of Anesthesiologists, chairman emeritus and distinguished professor of the Department of Anesthesiology at SUNY, Downstate Health Sciences University, and author of, as I told you, Anesthesiology, anesthesiology Without Fear, the Informed Consumer's Guide to Safe Surgery and Chronic Pain Relief. And I want to get to that chronic pain relief part as well. 918, your text and more with Dr. Cottrell when we come back here on WWL. 923, interesting conversation with Dr. Jim Cottrell, former president of the American Society of Anesthesiologists, and a lot more qualifications. But I want to get to some questions here. He wrote a book, Anesthesia Without Fear, the Informed Consumer's Guide to Safe surgery and chronic pain relief, and some of the questions that are coming in, Doctor, um, I know you can only answer them generally, not in relation to any specific patient. Is there any correlation between anesthesia and heart disease? Not that I know of, except that you can anesthesia is used for open-heart procedures, for angiograms, and a lot of diagnostic procedures that otherwise you would have pain when they were doing them. So that's the only way I could imagine using anesthesia uh, in heart disease. Please ask the doctor when a nurse anesthetist, which is the hardest occupation in the world to pronounce, may be used in lieu of an anesthesiologist. Well, I personally prefer to work with a nurse anesthetist as a member of the team. So it would be the anesthesia care team, including a nurse practitioner and anesthesiologist, and an, and an anesthesia technician. So I prefer to work as a team with a nurse anesthetist. Uh, what anesthesia is available for a single mastectomy using your own warm tissue? Using what? I don't know. It must be a voice-to-text um, translation issue here. But basically, I guess, anesthesia available for a single mastectomy? Right. Well, you could use a general anesthesia. There are no contraindications to that. And that would be older age would be one contraindication. Or you could, again, you could use a regional block. You could use an epidural, thoracic epidural, or you could block the nerves that innervate the, the, the areas around the breast before you do the mastectomy. Um, and, and good luck with whoever texted that in with your procedure. Are there common um, problems associated with general anesthesia, and should it be... I hate to say last resort because I don't want to make it pejorative or make it seem like it's more dangerous than it is. But uh, honestly, doctor, should that be a last resort if there's a way to do it without general anesthesia? Up for that? Well, I, I prefer that. I think a regional anesthesia is much safer than a general anesthesia. And that's particularly true in the very young and the elderly. In the very young, we can see with long anesthetics, we can see behavioral abnormalities after the surgery. And in the elderly, we can see delirium and cognitive decline. So those are two age groups that I would prefer to use regional anesthesia if possible. How are you defining young people and what kind of behavioral issues are you talking about, Doc? Well, it would be less than two years of age. Okay. And they would have temper tantrums and be unsocial. 
and uh, and and just just act different than your other children. That would be temporarily or something that lasts. Well, we hope it's temporary, but sometimes it lasts. Wow. Um, somebody else texted in and said, "Is there a, a particular uh, set of um, circumstances where somebody could be?" susceptible to general anesthesia. I guess they're talking about smoking or, or obesity or those kind of things. Well, some people are susceptible in terms of um, uh, muscle relaxants, and muscle relaxants have to be metabolized. That's how we paralyze your nerves while they're doing procedures, and sometimes we can't metabolize those, so the muscle relaxation lasts a long time, and so we would have to be careful with that and, and support the patient until the muscle relaxant wears off, which would take a longer time. Somebody texted in. I think this is a good question if you can answer it in a way that we can understand, doctor. When you undergo general anesthesia, what exactly is going on in your body? Well, general anesthesia disarms the, the central nervous system, and all the nerves are blocks that transmit pain, pain impulses to the brain. It's unlike sleep, where we can wake you up if you're asleep. But if you're under anesthesia, generally you can't, we can't awaken you. So it's the most powerful drugs known to man to disarm your central nervous system. And then we reverse them and bring you back to consciousness. So it's a very serious thing that we're working with. And I think you should know as much as you can about it before you have it. Is it two different medicines, one to paralyze your nervous system and another two, as I said when I was introducing you, you know, you're, uh, they put the mask on you, 199, 98, and you wake up in the recovery room. And it seems as though you had some of the best sleep of your life. Of course, you don't, you know, they, they're, I'm, I'm not advocating that, but you understand what I'm asking you. Is it two different right. medications or? Well, there are three different kinds of drugs we use. One's called an analgesic, which is a pain reliever. One is a sedative, which puts you to sleep, and one is a hypnotic, which makes you forget what happened to you. So we use those in conjunction, and some drugs have all three effects. So, so it's very important to know what effects are, are that, that are important for this different procedures. So when I had my second knee replacement and I had an epidural, I guess I did get the hip. I don't know if you would know or not. Obviously, you would know. But what do you think? I got the hypnotic because I certainly don't remember anything that happened. Probably hypnotic sedation, and you would receive a benzodiazepine, which works very well for that. A while ago, uh, not a while ago, but but there had been some talk years ago of people waking up during anesthesia or at least remembering what was going on. Is that a common thing that happens or not? Well, it's not common, but it does happen. And it can vary anywhere from the, the, the patient hearing what's being said in, in the operating room to moving or pushing around the area that's being operated on to actual pain. So we have to be careful not to have the anesthesia too light. And we, can now have, we now have monitors that we can monitor the brain and keep, keep the brain waves at a certain level. And that then would tell us whether the patient was going to remember the surgery or not. Somebody texted, I'm a 60-year-old female, have a complete congenital heart block on my fourth pacemaker. Every time I have surgery, I wake up nauseated and usually th throw up three times. One time years ago, I was having surgery. They had just put me to sleep and my eyes were closed, but I felt the doc cutting across my chest and a bad burning. I asked them, are you cutting me? And he said, oh, yes, and told the anesthesiologist to give her some more. What can I have that won't make me so sick when I wake up? So what would she talk to her uh, I guess cardiologist about or the well, anesthesiologist you, that works with the cardiologist, right? 
I think the anesthesiologist would be the one to talk with here. And I think th think we have the newer drugs which uh, prevent nausea and vomiting, and it's called propofol, or, you know, the Michael Jackson drug. Mm -hmm. And there are also some antiemetics we can give intravenously, and that would prevent the nausea and vomiting as well. So you can ask for that as well as the, the, the sedative drug like propofol, which doesn't cause nausea and vomiting. It's a newer drug. Let's talk about uh, controlling pain. Uh, somebody's, I'm getting some text about Baker's cyst, about torn meniscus. You need an orthopedist to really diagnose which one that is. Um, but for people that suffer with chronic pain, is this part of what an anesthesiologist would do, or are they just concerned with controlling pain post-op, or is this a field that maybe anesthesia could get involved with, like you're talking about the ultrasound with the nerves, so that people wouldn't have to, have to take opioids? No, it's one of the subspecialties of pain, okay. of, of anesthesia. So pain management, the, the, the anesthesiologist uh, does another year of residency and training and learns to do all kinds of uh, procedures to prevent pain transmission to the central nervous system. And we don't have to use just narcotics nowadays. We have lots of alternatives that, that would prevent us from having to use narcotics. So things like nerve blocks or those kind of things that last for a while and then you go back and have them redone? And I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about, which I don't, Doc. Right. Nerve blocks, which can you can do three or four as a trial, and sometimes it works and you don't have to do more of them. We can use uh, spinal cord stimulators that stimulate the spinal cord in the area where the nerves go out to the organs that are having the pain. And we can use a, a, like a drug cocktail. We can use muscle relaxants and light sedatives. And people even use acupuncture for light pain to help prevent pain and avoid the narcotics that have previously been used. Is that the same as dry needling? Somebody texted that in. Or, or I guess I, let me phrase the question this way, Doc, because I've undergone dry needling at a physical therapist. Is that different than you would receive at an anesthesiologist, and is there a marked uh, reason, a really uh, great reason to go to an, a pain? What specialty are we talking about here, first of all, instead of just a physical therapist? Well, I, I don't really think that the anesthesiologist that's, um, that's a pain specialist would use dry needling. Okay. But it's an area that I don't know a lot about. I got you. Is that different than acupuncture, or would an anesthesiologist use acupuncture? Yes, I think acupuncture is different. It wouldn't be dry needling. The needle would actually go into the, air, the trigger, trigger points, and they would use an electrical stimulation or some mechanical stimulation, which would cause the nervous transmission not to be uh, pain perceived as pain in the central nervous system. This is good, very good for, for low levels of pain, and I think we can use it for labor and delivery in certain individuals. And... Some some other minor procedures, uh, but some anesthesiologists are trained to give acupuncture. How far has uh, the the practice of anesthesia anesthesiology come, say, from the '60s? And are we in a a time of exponential growth when it comes to that and things that you guys can do and women can do? Well, there there when I went into anesthesia, which was some time ago, there there were six six seven thousand anesthesiologists. Now we have about fifty thousand anesthesiologists, so it's grown in leaps and bounds. And we have all kinds of procedures and techniques, and drugs have improved. The monitoring techniques have improved, 
the anesthesiologists themselves have improved. So there's lots of good things that have happened in those years. Somebody wanted to know about uh, lasting after effects with anesth- uh, general anesthesia. And it, it are, does it normally take a couple of days for you to kind of clear up? Well, it depends it? on the anesthetic, anesthetic drugs that you use. You can use some that are very short-acting, like propofol, and they'll be gone in, in a short period of time. If you lose, use other inhalation anesthetics, uh, say sevoflurane or isoflurane, and you use it for a long period of time, then you could have anesthesia lasting for longer periods of time than the intravenous anesthetics. And that's why I also recommend intravenous anesthetics over inhalation anesthetics if you have the opportunity to ask for that with your anesthesiologist. And another text pops up about if somebody wants to seek help with pain management from an anesthesiologist, what specialty do they look for? What kind of doctor are they looking for? Well, they can look for an anesthesiologist. Uh, There are also some neurologists that practice pain management. And I believe there's some psychiatrists that also practice pain management. And they all take the same board certification exams through the American Board of Anesthesia. Any final thoughts for us, doctor? I think it's very important. This is something you should know about. As I said earlier, with the growing uh, old of the population, I think we're going to have more and more procedures, and we need to protect ourselves so we won't get complications from the anesthesia that would further impair your ability to recover from your surgical procedure. Doctor, I appreciate your time. I really do hope you have a happy new year. Anesthesia Without Fear is the name of it, the Informed Consumer's Guide to Safe Surgery and Chronic Pain Relief by James E. Cottrell, M.D. You can get it at Amazon and all the usual outlets. Thank you, sir. It's 936. When we come back, we'll talk about the legalities involved with um, mandatory vaccines. Right now, it's time for WWL Traffic. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 